0: Amen. Life is very precious, and families are very important. And it's been our prayer as a church staff and pastors that your family has been able to experience the beauty of God's love, being with each other, diving into the Word, seeing the beauty of what Christmas is about. And I know that for some of you, this has been maybe a hard season. I've mentioned that the last couple weeks I've been crying almost every day. I've had two funerals, and just sometimes it's It's just heartbreaking to see families go through life and death, but Christ is our hope, amen? He is our anchor. So before we get into the Word today, let's pray. Father, we do thank You for this time together. We ask that You just be with us, and we know that Your goodness is truly good. And we continue to pray for the Stoikovich family as they have this new precious child them and just the beauty of it we're so excited for them as eric mentioned now now is going to be the hard part just there's so much that the family has to learn about and language and just there's just going to be a, 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 at times overwhelming but lord you are our strength and our hope and our comfort lord guide us this morning as we look into your word and the beauty of it this we pray in jesus name Amen. This past summer, I went back home to Appleton and I was able to um, spend time with my mom and, and just spend some time with, with friends. And through that, I was able to reconnect with a childhood friend. This was someone who, when we were little kids, we shared the same birthday, although I was a little bit older than her. November 7th was our day together. And we just, she was like a sister to me and her parents. We called Aunt and Uncle. And through a conversation, over an hour conversation, we had she mentioned that she was more into spiritual things. And I was getting excited about that. And because I mentioned, hey, I'm a pastor now, and she was excited. She said, she's ordained. And and our conversation continued. But then as she carried on with her conversation, I realized that she was talking about things that were important to her that for me, I was like, well, that's kind of deviating from what I would believe is truth and scripture. And she talked more about the spirit and other things. And she kind of went down the path of a Unitarian understanding of God and deity and spirits. And Christmas time, we send out finally Christmas cards and, and I I've, I've began writing a letter to her, talking to her about just um, our family, a little bit more filling her in. And in this, I'm crafting a way to and writing a way to explain my understanding of God and, and Jesus Christ and And in this, my introduction to that is, I begin talking about how I'm a Christian, and and this is my way of kind of defining what I'm about. First of all, I'm a Christian, and that kind of separates the rest of spirituality and the world that's out there in different religions, how Christianity is very different. And then I get a little bit more narrower in that sense, and I say I'm a Protestant, and with that, you know, there's, there's Greek Orthodox, there's Catholics, but there's Protestants. And that kind of really defines who I am and what I'm about. And even to be more narrow than that, I'm going to talk about being an evangelical. An evangelical. And, and I might do this, I might even say to be even more narrow in that I'm a conservative. And people know that about me. Although I am a liberal in many ways. I'm a liberal with hot sauce. If you've tried my chili, you'll know that I love spicy hot stuff. I'm a very liberal. I just dump all the chili powder and cayenne pepper on that. I'm also very liberal when it comes to root beer. I'll drink as much root beer as I can. I'm also liberal with gunpowder and cheese. I love the smell of gunpowder in the morning. But I'm a conservative in many ways. One way that I'm a conservative, that my family is not a conservative when it comes to sour cream. I just like a little bit of sour cream. I'm a conservative. Whereas my wife and daughters, here's a picture of my daughter with some nacho chips underneath there. You can't see that, but look at the sour cream. That's a little bit overload. You know, she's very liberal with sour cream. I'm a conservative. I'm also a conservative when it comes to dating. If you've seen my family, you'll know why I'm a conservative when it comes to dating but when it comes within the evangelical spectrum I'm a conservative a liberal might say something like this about Scripture they may say well the Bible's not always necessary when it comes to history when it comes to matters of science or of lifestyle or of interpretation a liberal might say well you really don't need the scripture in all these areas Or doesn't pertain to those areas. On the contrary, when it comes to things of Scripture, I, as you know, am very conservative when it comes to the Bible. I believe that Scripture is without error in all that it affirms. Applying to lifestyle, applying to science, applying when it speaks of that stuff, I'm very conservative. The Bible alone, the Bible is entirely, in its entirety, is. The Word of God written and therefore inerrant in the original writings. So a way to describe evangelicals would be this. There are many different ways to describe what an evangelical is. And evangelicals, they're all about the Bible. This is the final authority. This is on what we stand, okay? And we're all about Jesus. For instance... Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 that little section I've asked you memorize Ephesians chapter 1 3 through 14 it says this And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth and the gospel of your salvation which is Jesus Christ We're all about the word of truth and Jesus Christ So this morning what I want to do is give you a message that might be very kind of a redundant thing that we do at Maranatha. I'm going to talk about the Word of God. Because the Word of God is what we're about. We're Christians, we're we're Protestants, and we're evangelicals. We're all about Jesus and we're all about the Word of God. And what I want to talk about this morning is developing a passion for the beauty of God's Word. What we believe and how we are to behave ultimately leads us to worshiping God. Let me say that again. What we believe and how we are to behave ultimately leads us to the worship of God. So true thinking of Scripture, true theology, true study of the Word of God instructs our lives and compels our hearts to worship or to say this in a more concise way true theology guides the mind and stirs the heart to worship when you dig into this book it stirs and it compels us to worship him and it should affect our lives we want to put truth into action Again, we're not just studying this Bible, reading this book, and just going, okay, that's good enough for me, and it doesn't affect the rest of our lives. It should affect the rest of our lives. It's been about four years ago I wrote this, a call to commitment for our church. Talking about we want to be people who don't just read the Word, we want to let it impact our lives in every sphere of influence that we have. I've got extra copies of this. If you haven't been here since we've had this presented to you, I encourage you to grab a copy. It's at the welcome desk. In fact, let me read the last little paragraph here. Are we a people troubled about our economy and the job market, while not obeying our boss with a sincere heart, or treating our employees justly, and not working in unity with other churches and Christians, and sharing our resources with those? in need have we become weary in doing good instead for us at Maranatha here's my call of commitment to you we will continue to give to the needy in our congregation and be Jesus to the poor around us in Barron County we will not merely seek to please people but to serve them as we obey and love Christ we will not allow denominational differences to hinder an expression of unity since we are one in Christ with other churches that follow Christ. Again, there are some churches that don't follow Christ. We will not turn a blind eye to the needy, but give generously as Christ gave us, not looking to our own interests, but also to the welfare of others. We have been bought with a price, therefore, we are not our own. And we will honor God with our bodies, with our lives and resources as we show the love of Jesus to others. Again, as we read this, it should change and shape our lives. And out of that, then we should care for those around us. Very important. We want to put truth into action. But one of the common struggles that we have, and I have, is staying in the Word of God. We have a struggle sometimes going, okay, life gets busy, I don't always read this book, and sometimes I feel like, okay, I bring it on Sunday, that's the only time we kind of dig into it. So what I want to do this morning is I want to give you four words to help you stay in the Word of God this year. So we got New Year's coming up, and a lot of times we make these resolutions, and we make these commitments, and I want to help you stay in the Word of God this year. So the first one is delight. Delight in the word of God. So take your Bibles. If you have your Bible, we have a Bible in front of you if you don't, if you didn't bring your Bible. Turn to Psalm chapter 1. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter 1. This chapter here out of the 150 chapters in this book of Psalms, there's 150 of them. This sets the tone for the rest of the writings and collections that we have in the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 1, starting with verse 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, Again, these are things that we should be instructing our children. We should be instructing our friends. Don't follow the way of the world. Don't follow the way that will lead to destruction. Look at verse 2. Blessed is one who does not do these things, but blessed is one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. This is something right here that you should delight in. Why? Because the Bible contains the story of my hope, the story of my joy, the story of the peace that I have found with God and I can have with others. Delight in the Word of God. Listen to Jeremiah 15, verse 16. When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight so it's my prayer that this year you would find a greater delight in God's Word the second word I want to give to you is the word meditate meditate on God's Word sticking here with verse two out of Psalm chapter one but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates both day and night. Not only are we just to delight in it, but we are to meditate day and night. Or out of Psalm 119, the longest chapter in Scripture, says this. Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. Here is that delight. The second part of the verse, I meditate on it all day long what is this word meditation now when we hear this word sometimes we associate that with other concepts of meditation for the world for other religions they use the word meditation a lot and for them meditation is the emptying of themselves to find a certain peace to find a certain Plateau a really a pseudo peace. They meditate they contort their bodies in different shapes and stuff and they meditate they kind of empty themselves empty their minds to try to find some type of peace. That type of meditation has nothing to do with biblical the biblical understanding of meditation. For the world meditation is the emptying of themselves to find a pseudo peace. For Scripture, for Christianity, meditation is not the emptying, but the filling of yourselves with God's truth to understand and enjoy the beauty of true peace. Fill yourself with the Word of God. Meditate on it both day and night. And I encourage you, soak, saturate in the Word of God. My example is this. For instance, I brought my one of my favorite mugs here, my coffee mugs, because I'm a conservative, so that's on the mug here. In here is some of the darkest coffee you can make. I use this thing called a French press, blah blah blah. I get the darkest kind of let it soak for almost like an hour. When I drink this stuff, it's really good. Ten minutes afterwards, if I spit on the ground, not in church outside, kids if my spit is still brown that was good coffee it wasn't the kind of coffee from the gas station where you drink and you spit and it's still clear that stuff stains my mouth when you read the Word of God when you meditate on it it should soak and saturate your life so that way when you leave ten minutes later the effects of Scripture are still on you when you speak when your hands do something When your feet go to places, it is saturated, it has stained you in a beautiful way. So I encourage you this this year when you study scripture. When you open up the word of God, the first thing you should do is pray. Pray that the Lord would guide you. Pray that the Lord would point out things in your life that you need to change, that you need to surrender. The main reason that God gave us his word is not for information. It's not just information. Okay, here I am. I'm going to study this. I'm going to memorize Romans 8. I got that down. All right. The main reason that God gave us his word is not for information, but that we would know, worship, and obey him seems like those three words I talk about all the time, right? But it's true. We read this so that we would know Him more, so that we would worship Him, and that we would obey Him. That is the result of meditating on Scripture. A Puritan in the 1600s wrote this. Remember, it is not quick reading, but serious meditation upon the holy and heavenly truths. That make them prove sweet and profitable to the soul. It is not he who reads the most, but he that meditates the most that will prove the choicest, sweetest, wisest, and strongest Christian. So I encourage you this year, delight in the beauty of God's Word. Number two, meditate on his word. And the third thing is this: commit. To the Word of God. So we got a couple examples and a couple helps for you this morning on this. I encourage you to commit to reading the Word of God. Many years ago I gave this sheet out to all of you. It was in the both Now we have just a bunch of them printed in the back. If you haven't got one of these, this is what I call my favorite chapters to read. Got an example of what this looks like. I have talked to some of my friends, Pastor Tony's on here. Pastor Luke's on here, Pastor Eric's on here, some of my family members, some great scholars, there's underground pastors are on here, different world leaders within the Christian movement that I've met and I've asked them, what are your favorite chapters? If you just had time just to sit and meditate and memorize, what are your favorite chapters? They've given, oh, this one for sure. Oh, this one, it's, it's great to have a variety of men and women giving their favorite chapters. So I encourage you. Get one of these sheets in your Bible. And if I, ever there's a day when you're like, oh, I just don't feel like reading the Word of God. What should I read? You try to open it up and you get to, to numbers. You're like, oh, okay, here we go, Lord. What should I read? I encourage you, get this sheet and just go like this. I'll read this chapter. Oh, Romans chapter 8. No surprise there. In fact, on this sheet, I've underlined, and you can maybe see that on there, so many people say Romans 8. Romans 8, and I've underlined every time someone said that. Here's an example, a way to help you. Get this and go, hey, I want to read that chapter. Who is this person? Maybe you can Google them and find out, oh, okay, that's great. I want to read this chapter. So we've got these handouts for you at the welcome table. Read some favorite chapters. Come up with your favorite chapter. Memorize it. Commit to the Word of God. Another thing I encourage you to do in committing to the Word of God. As you know, we are in the middle of this two-year series, Christ in the Old Testament. We're going through the Old Testament looking at the beauty, looking at this promise fulfillment of Christ who is spoken about in the Old Testament. On the resource wall that we've got there, current series, we've got a calendar of what books we're doing on what Sundays. I encourage you, Grab that calendar and read ahead. This past summer we did the Ten Commandments, one every Sunday. This coming summer, what we're going to do is we're going to go through the Minor Prophets, twelve of them. And I encourage you read the Minor Prophets. Some of them they're minor, not because they're of less value than the Major Prophets; they're just shorter writings. Some of them are four chapters long. You can read a whole set, you know, whole book of the Bible. One of the Minor Prophets. Read. The Old Testament. Set the goal of reading the Bible this year. If you go online, you can find many Bible reading programs. How uh, you can find different programs, how you can read through the Bible. How many of you ever read through the Bible in a year? I've done that before. Don't do it every year. I encourage you to find an online reading Bible through the year in a year program. One thing that we have, if you take a look at your bulletin. We've given you this to pull this out. If you can get this, we've handed this out. If you don't have one, we got a few more on the way out. Reading the New Testament Bible reading plan. Five by five by five. So here's something I encourage you to do. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do this myself this year. Instead of sometimes it's kind of daunting. The whole Bible in one year, that's a lot of reading. So what we're going to do, I encourage you to do this this year as a church, I encourage you read through the New Testament in one year take a look it's kinda mapped out for you the reason I've chosen this one to do is we're gonna be going through the Old Testament and I myself I'm gonna read through this thing and I'll do my best at times through the different sermons that we have the different Sundays hey this year in our Bible program in the New Testament pointing to what we're reading about in the Old Testament so we're going to be heavy in the Old Testament. So I encourage you to read the New Testament. Many Christians take the beginning of the year to read through the Bible. And here is one way that you can do that. So here's what it is: take five minutes a day. Some of you have smartphones. I encourage you to try. It. There's my wife has some kind of thing where it kind of records how much time you're on social media, how much time you do texting, how much time. And then at the end of the week, you'll be like, wow, I spent two hours on Facebook. Some of you be like, I spend that two hours a day, I don't know. This is a very simple way to begin. Some of you may not have hours to read the Word of God. This is just five minutes a day. Take a look at this. Five minutes a day. If you're not used to reading the Bible daily, start this easy to use five minutes a day. This reading plan will take you through the New Testament. And I encourage you, start with just five minutes a day. The next part, five days a week. Try it. Do Monday through Friday. Monday through Friday, before you go to school, before you go to work, or maybe at the end of the day. At the end of the day, before I go to bed, after I brush my teeth, there's my Bible, there's my reading program. Okay, I read my Bible, five minutes a day, Monday through Friday. And then, take Saturday and Sunday to reflect on what you just read. 5 minutes a day, 5 days a week, and then take 5 different ways to go deeper. Take a look at this section here. 5 different ways to go deeper. I encourage you get a Bible just for studying. I use different Bibles for when I preach out of it It doesn't have many study notes in it. I've got study Bibles that are like this thick. I don't bring those up here. They're just the word of God, no study notes. But I have some Bibles that I just use for studying. In fact, if you take a look at my office, I've got a stack of Bibles. One is for, these are great sermons to preach someday. I've read through the Bible and highlighted, ooh, I want to preach that someday. I want to preach that. There's 400 some highlights in it. It's great. Then I've got one where I study the words glory, holy, and worship. Throughout the whole Bible, I've underlined and highlighted those words. I read through the whole Bible looking at each of those words. Now I'm going back And doing a study of that word in that context. How it's connected with glory, holy, and worship. How they're all together. Get a Bible and underline. In fact, I've got about 10 extra NIVs. If you want a hardcover Bible, swing by. I'll give you a Bible. Underline in your Bible. Use it. Mark it up. Another thing to do to go deeper. Summarize. If you read a chapter, summarize. If you read a verse, summarize. What is this about? Then ask questions. I encourage you to do this if you haven't done this yet. In the front of your Bible, grab your Bible right now. In the front of your Bible, write this question. There's a pencil in front of you. Write this question. What does this tell me about God? All right? Write in your Bible right now. It's okay. You can write in your Bible. When I was a little kid, we didn't touch our Bibles like that, but now I'm just writing them. Write in the front of your Bible, what does this tell me about God? Okay? Write it down. After every verse that you study, or every section, every paragraph, every chapter, every book, ask that question first. What does this tell me about God? Because our minds sometimes want to go, okay, oh, to me, this means this. Really, the author. Has one meaning to the text. And the primary question we should be asking is what does this tell us about God? Many of the passages will say that God is holy, God is just, God is a redeemer, He's a Savior. So when you read a section of Scripture, the first question I encourage you to ask is what does this tell us about God? The next thing is understand the context. It's so important to understand context. Context is everything. So many people, in fact, this is how many cults begin. They pull just one verse, one little section out of context, and they run with it. And they don't realize the full understanding, the genre that has been written in, and where it is in Scripture. Understand the context of Scripture. In fact, I have a friend in Washington when I was out there, he was like, we never have Christmas trees in our house. I'm like, why not? He goes, well, in the Bible it says don't bring a tree into your house. So he took this little section, don't bring a tree into your house. I'm, I was like, well, show me where that is, and he never showed me. But he said, don't, it says don't bring a tree into your house, so that means you can't bring Christmas trees in the house. And I was like, well, your house is built out of wood. Never mind, I won't go there. Context is everything. And the last thing, if you see on this here, is personalize it. What must I do? So in your Bibles, you wrote down this question What does it tell me about God? The second question I encourage you to write in your Bible is this What must I do because of this passage? Again, one of the problems that's Creeping into Christianity, that's creeping into the Protestant movement, that's creeping into evangelicalism. Is this we just read the Scripture? Oh, God is great, Jesus saves. But there's truths that we must obey, and some people don't follow through with that. Again, the Bible is not just for information; it's that we would know, worship, and obey Him. What must I? do the last thing delight meditate commit the last word i want you to think about as we get into scripture this year is this submit to the word of god submit to it which naturally comes from this what must i do submit to it psalm 119 verse 20 says this my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. When I was a little kid, my mom and dad made up a bunch of rules. Some of them I did not like, and some of them I did not obey. And I got in trouble because of that. God just doesn't make up rules to have you suffer. God has these laws, has these rules to provide, protect, Point you to Jesus God has these laws to provide good things for you to protect you from harmful things and to point you to Jesus long for his law be a student of God's Word know it and apply it In fact, take your Bibles and turn to 2nd Timothy Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 is one of the great evangelical verses. We evangelicals often point to this passage here. It's one of these hallmarks of Protestant faith. 2 Timothy chapter 3. In fact, let me back up to verse 15. I'm going to read 15, 16, and 17. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. Again, that's what we do at Maranatha. We, from birth, we long for our children to grow and know the beauty of God's Word. In Awana, in Sunday school, it's not just about memorizing a verse and you can get a star by your name. Memorizing a verse and you can get to the next book level. So that you would know, listen to this. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. We want you to be in this so that you would know the beauty of Christ. Here's verse 16 All Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Look at verse 17. So that. The man of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We study the Word of God so that you'd be thoroughly equipped to do every good work. Those of you who have been in the military understand that concept. In the beginning, you go through this training, you go through all this stuff, so much training so that you'll be thoroughly equipped for the missions you are sent on. We as Christians study the Word of God, know this stuff, so that we may be thoroughly equipped to do every good work. wrote this down. Our minds will engage with truth and our hearts will respond with worship. That is what we're about. R.A. Torrey, the second president of Moody Bible Institute, said this. You may read many books and go to many conventions. And you may have your all-night prayer meetings to pray for the power of the Holy Ghost. But unless you keep in constant and close association with the one book, the Bible, you will not have power. And if you have power, you will not maintain it except by the daily, earnest, intense study of that book. Here's the great line. 99 Christians in every 100 are merely playing at Bible study. And therefore, 99 Christians in every 100 are mere weaklings when they might be giants, both in their Christian life and in their service. You want to have an impact in your family? Keep your fingers in the Word. Study deeply. If you want to have an impact in your work environment, wherever you work, God's placed you there. Keep your fingers in the Word. Know this book. If you want an impact in this community, keep your fingers in the Word. I love how Colossians three sixteen says this: "Let the Word of Christ dwell." In you richly. What sets us apart from other churches, other ways of looking at spiritual things. We're freaks about the word of God. We're freaks about the beauty of what Christ has done. We're crazy about it. And I encourage you this year, study God's word. Use this. Christians throughout history and all over the world have been word people. In every stage of experience that you have, I encourage you, if five minutes a day seems too much, just start with five. If you're beyond five, then go online and do the Bible in a year. Memorize chapters, or maybe just memorize a verse a month let it soak in you let it stain you so when you go out you'll be able to give a witness for the beauty of god's grace so in closing i say this this year I say this often keep your eyes on christ the author and finisher of our faith and keep your fingers in the word let's pray father god i thank you for your great mercy and your goodness to us. And Lord, I thank you for the long tradition that we have as Christians, that we have as Protestants, that we have as evangelicals, that we love your word. But our love for the word isn't just ending there, our love for the word is because the word points us to knowing you more allows us to worship You in greater depth and challenges us to obey the words written in this great book. Lord, I pray that our Bibles fall apart this year, physically, because we use them so much that we've got to get another one. Help us study, know, commit to, meditate, and delight in the beauty of your word. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we close?